In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Each psalm has a title. And the title of this psalm, Psalm 63, a psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. And the theme of this psalm is that the ultimate good and the utmost blessing is the position of God. When I am connected with God, this actually will be the utmost blessing in my life. And according to the title, this psalm was composed by David, a psalm of David. When he was in the wilderness, so most of the scholars said when David actually was hiding in the wilderness before he became the king of Israel, when he was persecuted by King Saul, and he hid himself in the desert in many areas, like in forest of Harith, in the wilderness of Zif, Ma'un, and Angadi. And all these areas are in the tribe of Judah. Other scholars said no. This, when he was in the wilderness, when he was running away from his son Absalom, when Absalom started rebellion against David. And uh, he fled from the Jerusalem to the wilderness. So in either case, either running away from King Saul or running away from his son Absalom, David was in exile. In this psalm, David reveals his longing for God because he was in exile, as well as prophesies the perdition of King Saul. And also there is a prophecy about captivity in Babylon. And as David was in the wilderness, so Jesus Christ, the son of David according to the flesh, he was in the wilderness when he was tempted by Satan. And in the wilderness, as David was hungry and thirsty, the Lord Jesus Christ also was hungry in a literal sense. And this, when Satan tempted him to change the stone into bread. Because the first words of the psalm, O Lord, O God, you are my God, early will I seek you. Because of the word early here, so the church adopted this psalm to be its morning psalm. So when you pray the first hour of the Agbeya, you will find this psalm in the first hour of the Agbeya. Also, it's included in the sixth hour of the Agbeya. Sixth hour is the time of crucifixion. And the Lord said on the cross, I am thirsty. And here in this psalm, also we can see David is thirsty for God. God is thirsty for our salvation. And David is thirsty for God. The fathers of the church appointed this psalm to be prayed every morning. And according to St. John Chrysostom, he said, it is a spiritual song and a medicine to blot out our sins, to kindle in us the desire for God.
to raise our souls and to inflame them with a mighty fire of devotion to make us overflow with goodness and love and send us through the day with such preparation to approach and appear before God. This psalm is a short psalm, only 11 verses. So verse 1 and 2, David's soul thirsts after God. From 3 to 6, the greatness of God's love stirs praise. 7 and 8, thankful confidence in God. 9 to 11, trust despite the trouble. So let's start from the first verse. It says, O God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. So while David was in the wilderness and he saw that the land is thirsty, it's a dry land. So he said, this land exactly like my soul. My soul is dry. I am thirsty for God. So David began this psalm by describing his longing and desire for the things of God. He is earnestly seeking after God. And he said, Oh God, you are my God. He knows that God is his own God. And the repetition of the name of God, Oh God, you are my God. This repetition and claiming God to be his own God denotes deep love and eager pressing toward God and also neglecting the earthly matters. The word early means I will not wait. I am up early to meet with God. And the word early doesn't mean only early in the morning. So when I wake up, first thing I do, I pray and talk to God. But also early means eagerness, readiness, willingness to connect with God. St. Augustine says, there is a sleep for the soul and there is a sleep for the body. Sleep for the body, we all ought to have. All of us, we should sleep physically. But of this, the sleep of the soul, let us be watchful that our soul should not sleep for evil is the sleep of the soul evil is the sleep of the soul good is the sleep of the body whereby is recruited the health of the body when we rest and sleep our health is recruited but the sleep of the soul is to forget God Therefore, the apostle says, St. Paul, Awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Was the apostle waking up when sleeping in body? No. 
but he was working a soul sleeping in order that she might be enlightened by Christ. So we should sleep from all temporal anxiety. We should not the temporal anxiety bother us, but we should wake to the contemplation of God. And as I told you, David used his physical environment, the the desert, to describe his spiritual condition. David is not speaking about physical needs, but he is using the physical needs to represent his spiritual needs for God. So it is the cry of David, who was in exile, away from the worship, away from the temple, away from the public rites, hiding in the wilderness. He is thirsty for the water of life. As the Lord said to the Samaritan, he, he who is thirsty, come to me and I will give him the living water. So he is thirsty for the water of life, which gives the refreshment to our souls. And through the water of life, God revived the weak soul. In verse 1, he said, My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land. So not only the soul, even the flesh, this expressive of the same thing, but in different words, denoting that he most earnestly desired with whole self, with his spirit, with heart, with soul, with body, with his strength, that he want to enjoy the presence of God. The desert of Judah in Israel is largely desert. And so this was the picture of longing that came easily to David's mind. So the opening verse, verse 1, reminds us that we are to be an active participant in our relationship with God. It is not just intellectual pursuit. I am want to be following God. But it is a, a connection, a relationship. It's a deep abiding spiritual need inside us. Our need for communion with God is compared here with our absolute need for water. Without water, we cannot live. And without God, we cannot live spiritually. So God's presence in our life is life-sustaining as water and food to our flesh. Uh, And because of this, the church, as I told you, set this psalm for morning prayer. When we wake up in the morning, we pray this psalm. As if when we recited daily, we remind ourselves how we need to be in connection and communion with God all the day and every day in order to survive spiritually. In verse 2 he said, So I have looked for you in the sanctuary. I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. David longly 
reflect back upon the time when he was able to enter the tent of meeting and to worship the Lord. He thinks back upon seeing the glory and power of God. David longs to be brought out of this wilderness, of this exile, not to meet his family, not to meet his friend, but to have access to the temple to see the glorious power of God. And when he says here to see your power and glory, your power and glory actually what was manifested of the presence and the power of God. When we go into public worship, the praises, the prayer, the rejoicing, all this make us feel the presence of God, feel the power of God, feel the glory of God. So David is, while he's in the desert, calling to his memory the past experiences in the sanctuary. And this stimulate more an eager desire uh, for God and to re-experience again the power of God and the glory of God. San Augustine says, unless a man first thirst in that desert, that What's the desert here? It is the evil state wherein we are. If we, when we are away from God, if we don't feel this thirst, we will never arrive at good. We'll never be in connection with God. In the tabernacle of meeting, the Ark of Covenant was a symbol of God's presence symbol of the strength and glory of God. And the word, I see the glory, to see your power and your glory, the word to see doesn't mean to see by his own eyes, but to experience and to enjoy the power and the glory of God. St. Augustine says, as the believer's soul longs for God, he goes to the house of the Lord. When we long for God, we go to the church and appears before God in the church to enjoy seeing his power and glory. As uh, St. Paul said, after you have known God or rather are known by God. So when we feel thirsty to know God, we will discover that it is God's pleasure for us to be known by him. So we are thirsty to know God, but God also is thirsty to know us and to be in this connection. It's a mutual relationship. Verse 3. Because of your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise you. So now David is explaining why he is longing for God. Because he said, the loving kindness of God is better than life. And when he experienced the loving kindness of God, his mouth, his lips, praise the Lord. So this is the reason why David was so motivated to pursue God. He has waited to see and to experience God's power and glory. 
But the loving kindness of God and this personal experience of the loving kindness of God put praises in his lips. And he said, the loving kindness of God better than life. Meaning, it's precious than his own life. David enjoyed God's love and valued it because life without the love of God is nothing. Life without the love of God is nothing. Actually, it is death. All the enjoyment of life are nothing without the love of God. Our life has no meaning without the loving kindness of God. That's why he said, your loving kindness is better than life. As we read in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 16, better is a little with fear of the Lord than great treasure with trouble. Little with the fear of God and love of God is better than great treasure with trouble and anxiety. And according to St. Athanasius, he who approaches Christ will rather have mercy of God than to have longevity of life. If I have the mercy of God, I wouldn't care about long life. But if I have very long life, but I don't have God's mercy, this is misery. A man that has no share in the love of God is dead while he lives. You have a name that you are alive, but you are dead, as we read in the book of Revelation. And when David experienced the great love of God, he vocally praised the Lord. So God's way are the reason to praise and bless his name. St. Augustine says, my lips would not praise you unless before me were to go your mercy. So he said, the mercy of God should go before me that I praise the Lord. Why? Because by your gift I praise. Through your mercy I will praise you. For I should not be able to praise God unless he gave me the ability to praise him. So St. Augustine said, when God gives me his mercy, I will have the ability to praise him. But if he doesn't give me his mercy, how can I praise him? So this psalm speaks of praise and devotion given to God in gratitude. I am grateful to God for his mercy. That's why my mouth opened with praise out of rich sense of being blessed. Verse 4 Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. In verse 4 and also in verse 5 David described the depth of satisfaction that can be found in our relationship with God. Thus, I will bless you while I live. So, as he used to bless God and to praise him in the sanctuary, now he will give 
praise to the Lord all the days of his life. His faith in God is so intense that he can pray and praise just as if he was in the church, in the house of God. Not only by constant praise and thanksgiving, but he will so live that the conversation shall be blessing of God's name. Because he will conduct his whole life to the honor and praise and glory of his name. Meaning, he is not just praising God by words, by his behavior, by his conduct. So everything he does for the glory and honor of God. Then he said, I will lift up my hands in verse 4. Lifting up our hands is a symbol of uplifted heart. I lift my heart to God. And this reminds us when Moses on the mountain lifted up his hand during the battle with Amalek. Also, St. Paul directs Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8, I desire therefore that the men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath or doubting. So lifting of hands is the posture of prayer. And it is appropriate of praise. Lifting hands and is anticipation of receiving from God gratefully. So when we pray and lifting hands and we open our hands like this, as if we are here to receive your gifts, O God, gratefully. And also it's a sense of surrender to Him. You know, when somebody surrenders, lift his hand. So also, we are surrendering to God. And St. Augustine says, lift up your hands in prayer, because our Lord has lifted up his hand for us on the cross. In verse 4, he said, I will lift up my hand in your name. In your name means according to your commandment with confidence in your name. Verse 5 My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. My soul shall be satisfied. God feeds the hungry soul with rich and bountiful food. The worship, the praising, singing to the Lord is a source of deep satisfaction. I'm sure when you go to midnight praises like in Kahk or during the Holy Week and we spend long time in the church, we feel we are satisfied. We feel that our souls are nourished. That's why he said, as if with marrow and fatness. Marrow and fatness denote rich food. So, the comparison is between the pleasure of serving God and the satisfaction drive it from food when you are hungry. So, when you are hungry and you, you eat and you are satisfied, exactly David is comparing this when his soul is hungry to God and worship Him and He is satisfied. And it is not uncommon in the scripture to compare the pleasure of worshiping the Lord 
with feast or banquet. It is true that the heavenly banquet of Eucharist, communion, when we go to church and liturgy, that's what, when actually we make our glad offering to God with joyful lips. That's why during communion we chant Psalm 150, praise the Lord in all his sins, praise him with, for his mighty act, praise him in the firmament of his power. Then he said, my mouth, in the same verse, my, verse 5, my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. So more joy and more praise. He's praising God, not just bored and pushing himself to go to church. No, with joyful lips, he's happy. So David's mouth is full of mercy, and that's why his mouth is full of thanksgiving. St. Jerome says, the word marrow and fatness refer to richness. The soul that feeds on good things shall be satisfied with riches of virtue. But the soul that feeds on evil is full of riches of iniquities. So when David calls God to mind as he lies down at the end of the day to sleep, also he is occupied with the thought of his love that he meditates on the love of God all night, as we read in verse 6. In verse 6 he said, When I remember you on my bed, at the end of the day, he is going to sleep. When I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches. So all night he is with God. So when he goes to rest, also he is occupied with the love of God and he meditates on it all night. According to the Jewish tradition, the night is divided into three watches. But according to the Roman tradition, the night is divided into four watches. David thought upon God's greatness and goodness during the day, and during the night also he meditated upon the love of God. So David, almost 24 hours, he's reflecting on God. At the dawn, when he opens his eye, he prays the, the Lord. Mm-hmm. Then all the day, he is proclaiming his longing to God. And when he goes to bed, he's still preoccupied with praising God. This is actually a magnificent portrait of thirst for God day and night. St. Augustine says the word bed here in verse 6 refers to rest and comfort. So St. Augustine said most of us we go to God in our troubles but it will be befitting also to remember him when we enjoy rest and comfort when we are in our bed means when there is no trouble no problem in our life we also should remember the Lord. St. John Chrysostom says, there is nothing is better than the storehouse which receives such prayer as this. So 
So these prayers are stored for us. Listen to the psalmist says, when I remember you on my bed, I meditate in you in the early morning. Verse 7. Because you have been my help, therefore in the shadow of your wings I will rejoice. You have been my help, therefore in the shadow of your wings I will rejoice. Many of the Psalms of David are cries for help. And this Psalm is composed also in the wilderness of Judah. And David also was looking for help. But Psalm 63, this Psalm, has no cry for help like other Psalms. But all this Psalm, as we read together, give thanks and praise for God's faithfulness in many times. When God had been help to David, that's why he told him in verse 6, in verse 7, because you have been my help. So as if he is saying, all these years you helped me, I also trust in this wilderness you will help me. God had already delivered David out of so many dangers and troubles, so he felt so confident that God will deliver him in the future too. So, in spite being on the run, running away, and attacked by many enemies, but David did not lose his joy. He's rejoicing. He said, in the shadow of your wings, I will rejoice, because I'm hiding under your wings. You are my protection, so I'm not going to lose my joy. And the idea here is to have a shelter, of shadow of God's wing. So, God's wing, like a shelter to me, I am hiding under his wing. And this idea is repeated several times in the book of Psalms. It means protection. Mm -hmm. As mother bird shelters her young chicks. Other time, it has the idea of presence. I am present with God. I am exist with God. I am under his wings. St. Augustine observed that the chickens are under the hen's wing until they grow. And when they grow, they don't need the protection of hen. While we are the human being, when we grow, we need more protection and to be more under the wings of God. So not like the chicks. The chicks when they grow, halas. But we, we need always to be under the wings of God. So he says, let no one say, let, let God protect me while I'm a little one. As if sometime when he would attain to such magnitude as should be self-sufficient. I, I don't need God in my life. Always by him let us desire to be protected then always in him we shall have power to be great in your wings, as he said, we will rejoice. Therefore, in the shadow of your wings, I will rejoice. Verse 8, My soul follows close behind you. Your right hand upholds me. My soul follows close behind you. 
like partnership and connection, always with God. So our soul should be close to God following Him as one follow a master or a teacher. And when we follow God, God responds with care and strength and uphold us with His mighty right hand. As He said, my soul follows close behind you, so what is what will happen here? Your right hand uphold me. I follow him, then his right hand uphold me. David's soul follows, as we read in Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verse 4, Draw me away, we will run after you. But the word follow, in some translation, means glued or clinging. In Arabic, it has the same meaning. التصقت نفسي بي. لزقت فيك رب. التصقت. Glue. So, San Augustine said, what is that glue that makes us cling to God? He said, the glue itself is love, which fastens us behind God, that we follow Him. But we should not cling to God, but behind God. So, he precedes us and we follow him. And St. John Chrysostom compares this closeness and binding union to the nails of the cross. Who said, like the nails bound the Lord Jesus Christ to the cross, in the same way we are glued to God. Verse 9 But those who seek my life, now David speaking about either King Saul or Absalom, his son. Those who seek my life to destroy it shall go into the lower parts of the earth. So David's deep communion with God did not take away his problems. David was in the wilderness hiding from a conspiracy to kill him. But there were still those who wanted to kill him. Those his enemies who are seeking his life are contrasted to himself. What do I mean? His path is upward to God, but their path is downward to the depths of the earth. That's why he said, shall go into the lower part of earth. So David is going up and his enemies going down. And we have to remember that when David says, my enemies, it's not his own enemies, but the enemies of God and enemies of Israel. St. Augustine says, what are the lower parts of the earth? St. Augustine answered, earthly lusts. And he said, better it is to walk upon the earth than by lust we go under earth. For everyone that is does not care of his salvation, desire earthly things and under the earth. Because earth has put before him. Earth is upon him. But those who seek their salvation, they are above earth. So fearing to lose earth, he speaks about the Jews, fearing to lose earth, they said about the Lord Jesus Christ, if we let him, 
Thus alone the Romans will come and take away our place and nation. That's their logic. Let's get rid of him. Otherwise the Romans will take away our place and nation. And they crucified him. But what happened? Behold, they have lost at the head of the Roman the place because they slew Christ. So when they crucified Christ, they lost the earth. That actually they were worried about. David trusted that God will deal with his enemies. In verse 10 he said, They shall fall by the sword. They shall be a portion for jackals. David trusted that in God's time and in God's way, his enemies will fall by the sword. Which means they will be killed in a battle. And we know how Absalom, his son, and those who followed Absalom died and found no one to bury them. And Absalom himself was cast into a pit in the woods and a very large heap of stones was laid over him. David was confident that his enemies will diminish. They will fall on the battlefield and they be left unburied and become food for jackals, a portion for jackals. Means their bodies shall be unburied upon the earth and thereby become a prey to wild and hungry animals, especially to foxes. St. Augustine says, said the jackals refers to those who rejected Christ to be their king, and those who said, we only want Caesar to be our king. They rejected the Lamb of God, and it shows jackals, so they deserve it to be portion for jackals. So the birds and animals of the wilderness eat them. Last verse, verse 11. But the king shall rejoice in God. Everyone who swears by him shall glory. But the mouth of those who speak lies shall be stopped. We know swearing is a sin. How he is saying everyone who swears by him shall glory. Swear means trust in him. Not, not meaning mm. you, you, you say swearing words, but those who trust in him, those who are loyal to God, who appeal to him in all troubles, and during the time of the rest, they remember God also. So they found their glory in God. Everyone who swears by him, who trusts God, shall glory, and they shall rejoice. But who are those who speak lie? But the mouth of those who speak lies shall be stopped. So the contrast here by swearing with God or trusting God and speak lies. So these are against each other. Those who trust in God will glory. But those who speak lie, they will be stopped. Those who rebel against God, these are who are speaking lies. And one of these paths, those who trust in God will have glory, the other will be stopped. St. Augustine says, For stopped up is the mouth of men is speaking unjust things. 
when in weakness Jesus was, even the foxes were bold against him and said, crucify him, crucify him. And they bore false witnesses against Jesus Christ. But the lion conquered the lion, Jesus Christ, and the fox, foxes were silenced. Or the Jews who crucified him, they are silenced. David repeatedly end his psalm with full confidence that God is going to answer his prayer and show mercy toward him. So instead of anticipating destruction as the Lord's enemy could, David confidently rejoices. That's why he said, the king shall rejoice in God. Everyone who sides with God as David did, he will rejoice. Meditation on the character and work of God can bring joy to any believer. Meditation on God fills a basic need in our heart, a basic need as food and drink. It's not only satisfies the believers, but after satisfaction, our mouth will overflow in praise and making this a source of blessing to others. This concludes Psalm 63. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.